0: August 29, 2010, lecture discussion number 12 on the book of Romans. John and. Where's Bill today? Bill's not here. Oh, is he really? Oh, he's doing Adam's thing out in the. Oh. Well, I'm going to. Really, it really is true. Did I say lecture discussion number 12 on the book of Romans? Did I say that? really is true. Last week we had a test. I happened to talk to a pastor this week, and I asked. he asked me what I did, and I said, I, I gave a test to the audience, and he just almost fell over, and he couldn't believe it, and said, no one does that, and I said, well, that may be true, but I'm warming up. I've done it twice, and I liked it so much, I think I'm going to keep doing it. So I have tests to hand out, and it's uh, um, and I did. I graded all the tests, and Mark will tell you because he uh, and Laurie will too. When Laurie and I were first married, I was still teaching, and had these boxes. Mark would be the same way because he rented room from me. Him and Diana, and, and uh, that's how we know each other. Really, that was what twenty-five years ago, and you—you you have an H well. You have an age, and, uh, it's, it's, uh, Huh? I have, I I can't, I stay away from dark glass, mirrors, water that doesn't move. Anyway, anyway, Mark would always ask me, so did Lori, what are all those boxes in your garage? And those were, of course, ungraded papers. Please do not tell the Anchorage School District. Don't do it. (laughs) How many do you have? Quit laughing. How many? <laughs> You're a PE teacher. Yeah, of course, you can't be. You can't admit the truth to me, witnesses. We're on film here. Anyway, I did grade all the tests from last week. And uh, there were bright, shining moments everywhere. Everyone did really well. Um, dear, can you hand out Jack and Jane? And Bill's not here, is he? Okay. And John Floyd, and Bill Guernsey, and Dave Stahl, and Lori, can you do that for me? And hand these out as quickly as we can. Kathy, here's you. Nick is not here. Jen Sanders and Ben. And Charlotte's not here. And Jen, can you give Lindsay hers? And Scott his? Cindy Stewart is not here, and Travis is not here. Mrs. Mom Travis, you should have this. Yeah, you've got to sign his report card and turn it in. Uh, Kathy Floyd, Big Steve. Don't be in such a hurry to come in. I'm kidding. I'm kidding about that. Amanda, and then Chronister. You wonder who that is, huh? Ken is not here. Jonas is not here. Nick Petrella, and Misty, and Jessica, and somebody pass that back to Robin, or she can come. Send Misty. The other Robin. But you'll work. Come on. You you shouldn't ever sit next to each other. Okay, look at this. There's a whole bunch of people that didn't come. And we know why. Actually, again, everyone did really, really well. And I was actually quite thrilled. And um, there were, as I said, bright, shining moments. And... And I was uh, very excited as I did it, and then I remembered that, after all, it was multiple choice,
1: which uh, which
0: introduces the luck element, huh? I, I didn't give any H's, but you should follow along here. You can be you can be anonymous. So I got an anonymous. Anyone not have one? Forrest, come up and. and well, he didn't take it, obviously. Forrest, come on up and get one so you can follow along and you can leave it. Take, take Bill. You weren't here either, were you? Did you not take the test? Here, take, take Nick.
2: I'll
0: take your dad's. There you go. Just follow along, at least. Uh, one more for Missy. I'll give you. I'll give you a good score, Missy. I'll give you Charlotte. There you go. Okay, everyone, uh, Big Dave, you got one to look at or you can copy off the bin? That'll work. So everyone can follow along as best you can because uh, there'll be some overheads that uh, Anna did and, and, uh, and then I'll go over it again from the, uh, uh, the pulpit here. Anyway, again, I realize that uh, the multiple choice may have some impact because that does introduce luck. But nonetheless, I would rate this a great success overall. I'm very happy about it, and, and it was really wonderful to see how serious you took it, and I'm very excited, except for Jane. Yes, Jane? Okay, we're going to talk about that. That's on page two. Do not get ahead of the teacher. There were some discouraging moments. Um, And that's the truth. Obviously, my teaching of circumcision needs improvement, and this is why I did this. Clearly, uh, to quote Brother Martin, uh, what we have here is a failure to communicate. I know what I want you to know, and I know what I'm trying to tell you, and it's not your responsibility. That's on me. If, If I'm not getting it through, it's my fault, and I recognize that. I have taught enough to know that's the truth. There are very, very rarely bad students. There are a few, Jane. But I'm just saying, if you were paying attention, it goes on all week. Why should it stop here?
1: <laughs> believe it or not, Jane is, is roofing for me.
0: Can you believe? There's Jane and Lori up there with their roofing guns, uh, putting on a ten square roof. And they're very good at it, but don't tell them. It'll it'll cause me problems. Seriously, there are no bad students. I've never met a bad student. There's, there's a bad teacher that or a bad coach that can't figure out how to flip the switch, how to make it work. And sometimes I've even told people, I am not helping you. You have come to me either as a player or a student, and I didn't make you better. And that's my fault, not your fault. And so... Uh, Come and get together. That is my fault. And, and that's what this does for me. And, and it really does help me figure out what to do. And hopefully I've accomplished that. And we'll see. As you know, this was merely the mid-quarter exam. I was serious about that. I've decided that uh, I'm not going to ever be a traditional church pastor. It occurred to me now after 15 years. And so I'm back to, as I always have been, back to being a classroom teacher. And you've noticed that, as I said, for 15 years. And I thought, well, now that we have this strange time in this weird building that we don't have to pay for yet, um, I might as well really go for it. And so I'm serious. This is the mid-quarter exam uh, of the halfway point. The semester final is coming. It's looming, and I intend to do it. I was so excited, by the way, after grading it, that... uh, that I knew that the semester final was the right thing to do. The difference between the mid-quarter and the semester final is what? The mid-quarter is what? Multiple choice. Semester final is essay. I fully intend to give you an essay test. I'm going to shut the church down. I'm going to sit up here. I'm going to put barriers between you all. And I'm going to have a timer and we're going to have an essay test. That should be a really popular CD on the video, or on the internet. <laughs> Quiet. Quit chewing gum. Quit copying off you. Zero. Throwing erasers. Anyway, before we go over the test, i got to mention a few things. Bill wrote a disclaimer. He said, who's got bills?" Troy does. Read his disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. He fell off a ladder on his head and he thought that should give him some kind of special grace because how could he possibly answer the question? It didn't matter. That's how tough it is. Uh, Amanda got 100%.
1: Uh,
0: Amanda is the daughter-in-law. So... I would like to take some credit, but she's not genetically affected by me at all, and so... But she is the only one of you, by the way, who did. All of you, as I said, scored very high. It's really surprising. A couple of you were remarkable. Kathy Floyd probably got a record for a visitor. How many Sundays have you been here? Four. And and her test was remarkable. Now, that really brings into question lots of things, and John knows immediately where we're headed here, <laughs> but, but that was very impressive for a visitor. I'm stunned as we still keep you in the visitor category. How long do we keep Kathy in the visitor category? That's right, 10 years. That's right. And so, But that's very impressive, and I wrote on her paper, uh, clearly a record performance for a visitor. And then I have two anonymouses, and one anonymous really did good. And I'm assuming that's Eric. Because that's family, and it better be Eric. <laughs> I have the other anonymous, and this one's not so good. So let's hope. That... Never mind.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, let's take this on. Uh, 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 Annabelle, are you ready for me? Um, give me the first. Answers and I will read the questions and we'll go over this test one at a time. And again, please follow along if you can, even if you didn't take it, because really, uh, it, this works very well eventually if we keep doing this, uh, as far as getting the information into you where it becomes yours. Uh, that's the plan. I want you to be able to sit down someday and explain this kind of stuff to everybody you know. Uh, I, I wasn't going to say much about it, and I won't really because I don't have all the confirmation, but it, it appears that our internet is really amazingly growing. It's amazing. We're probably an internet operation now, especially in the summer up here. And so the focus is going to shift a little bit to that. It, it's astonishing. Uh, Kurt Falk, as you know, is doing a lot of that, and Ben is doing a lot of that, and, and it is starting to show some terrific uh, potential. Somehow I've got to get this on the Internet in a way that makes sense to people, and today is going to be a day where it doesn't, but we'll do the best we can, because this is the way that you can teach others, and that is the plan. get gets you to teach others. I'm trying to turn you all into teachers. And that is Hebrews isn't it Hebrews 5 and 6 you should be teachers Time to move Okay question number 1 what is the great thesis of the book of Romans Paul's thesis statement Rome 117 Romans 117 what is the great thesis of Romans as is, is it a universal salvation B, is it salvation by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ alone? C, the just shall live by faith. D, is it more tithing? Let me repeat D, is it more tithing? Let me repeat D, more tithing, or E, only both B and C, which is salvation by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ alone, or the just shall live by faith. And. Obviously, right off the bat, so you know, there is no such thing. As popular as you may hear it said, and it is everywhere. It is everywhere. It is the most common heresy, frankly, other than the deity of Christ heresy. What I mean by the deity of Christ heresy, they claim that he is not God, never God, won't even be God at any time. That's heresy. That's blasphemy, because he is completely God at all times. But the second uh, universal heresy is universal salvation. There's no such thing as universal salvation. So automatically, that should be eliminated when you're taking multiple question tests on doctrinally sound uh, from a from a, a doctrinally sound Bible teacher. There's no such thing as universal salvation. What that means is there are many paths to the mountain. And you can go up the back side of the mountain or the front side of the mountain, but we can all get up there and we'll all get there together and we'll all be there together and everyone is saved and no one is lost and everybody is happy and we all have a fuzzy teddy bear. And that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches there is only one salvation. There is only one God and he has only one way. There are not multiple ways. That's very hard. It is a hard truth. But it is the truth. So the question becomes after you've eliminated universal salvation, and you know it's not more tithing. So what's left? B or C? And there's also E. Both B and C. What is the difference between answers B and C? Somebody tell me. What is the difference between answers B and C? Somebody yelled it out. Not much is close to the answer kind of I'll help you there is no difference at all between B and C there is nothing different it is the same thing said different ways they are absolutely identical okay nothing so what you should do immediately when you, when you hear me say that is you have to define salvation by grace. What's the obvious question if I'm going to define salvation by grace? What's the first thing I'm going to do? I'm going to ask, why do we need, uh, why is salvation by grace our only option? Because I'm telling you it is. There is no other salvation but salvation by grace alone through faith in Christ alone. The just shall live by faith. That is the only salvation. So, any other is not salvation. It's a mistake. It's a heresy. It's a ditch diver. It's error. But the question comes up, why is salvation by grace, then, the only option? Why is salvation by grace the only option? You need to be able to answer why. Because as soon as I tell people that have never heard any of this before, the first thing they say to me, why? Why is that God's way? Then I tell them circumcision is the outward sign for people who understand that there is no difference between B and B. Me. Men. Circumcision is the outward sign for men who understand that the only salvation is by grace through alone, through faith in Jesus Christ alone, or who understand the meaning of the just shall live by faith. And then they ask me to define faith. What is faith? If the just shall live by faith, what is it? Who is faith? Anna's sister's name is Faith. If your name is going to be faith or grace, you ought to at least know what it is. I've never had a chance to sit down with Faith and ask Faith if she understands what faith is. Put that on my list, Define faith. Faith in what? Faith in whom? What does faith require? We can all answer that. What does faith require? Belief. Belief in whom? Belief in what? And then ask this question Why does God do it this way? Why does God do it this way? I'm telling you, this is the only way He's doing it. Why? How is it? Why is it that He does it this way? And the answer is. Well, that's true. That's a result of why he does it this way. But what is the reason he does it this way? I'll help you. He's omniscient. His, omniscient, his omniscience demands, it requires, that this be the only thing that he does. If he is doing other things, then, then you're calling into question his omniscience. You're saying there's another way. He could have done it a different way. He didn't take it through. Well, he didn't think it through. He can't help but think it through. He's who? He's God. He's omniscient. He doesn't miss anything. If you think there's somebody out there in the world, for example, that God has not got to, then what have you said? He doesn't know everybody. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. So now you're into the what about the heathen question, aren't you? you the what about the heathen question immediately assumes that God has made a mistake and has missed the heathen. Has God made a mistake and missed the heathen? No. So what's the problem? You don't understand something. So the question really is, how is it that I don't understand how God has gotten to all the even? How is it that I don't understand how he's done it? Because he has to do it. He's omniscient. He must do it because he's good. And he did do it. Why is it I don't understand it? So what should you do next? Go figure out what's wrong with you. Quit accusing God. So the answer is E, both B and C, right? They are exactly the same. How is it that they are exactly the same is the key. Okay, question number two. Habakkuk 2.4 is quoted by Paul at Romans 1.17 because... Have you noticed I'm not perfectly answering the question? Get used to that. How do I answer questions in this church? I ask more questions, that's right. That's the plan. It's intentional. I hope you like it. Look around and see there's not very many
2: of you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't think that's funny. No, it makes perfect sense to me. Anyway, question number two Habakkuk two four is quoted by Paul at Romans 1.17 because It is God's answer to Habakkuk's second complaint. It is God's correction and indictment against Israel's doctrinal failure. Habakkuk's first complaint is unanswerable or unsolvable. Both B and C, all of the above. Now this, I have to admit, I hate to admit this to you, but if Katrina was here, and she's not, because of Little League and such, but she would recognize this question immediately, because it's one of my classic trick questions. I did it on purpose. How many answers are there? Somebody tell me. Death, there's two answers in there. I gave you a question that had two correct answers, but didn't do both A and B. I wanted to see whether or not you could, it, how long you would struggle. Would you pick one of the answers that you thought was the best? I wanted to know, of the two good answers, which one do you think is the goodest? That was really important to me. So we have two good answers. How many thought that A was a better answer than B? How many answered A? How many answered B? Okay. Three of you answered B. You believe that B is a gooder answer than A. Why do you think? Are you right? But first got to look at one. Number C is obviously wrong, isn't it? Why is it obviously wrong? Habakkuk's first complaint is unanswerable or unsolvable. That would imply that God could not answer something or solve something, and that would be an indictment against his character, against his omniscience, against his power, against his omnipresence. Be very careful that you never, never, never attack God's omniscience, his goodness, his power, his omnipresence. It is the most common thing we do we see in the church today. There is something that God can't do. No, there's not. Anyway, I also wanted to have a question that more of you could get right just by math. More luck involved, there's two correct answers. Okay, question number three. Habakkuk accuses God. What did we just talk about the last question? We had an accusation against God, didn't we? And that's what Habakkuk is about, the book of Habakkuk. Him wrestling with accusations against God. Habakkuk accuses God of being being unwilling or unable to end wickedness. He accuses God of being on the side of evil or being on the side of wickedness. Therefore, he is the cause of the wickedness and therefore he is the author of evil. The origin of evil comes from God. How common is that? That's very, very common called hyper-Calvinism. C, being unaware or uncaring to the fact that Babylonians were more evil than the Jews. In other words, Habakkuk believed it was a fact that Babylonians were more evil than the Jews, and God didn't care. All of the above are none of the above. In both questions, I want you to see the similarity to question two. In both questions is the element that God is finite in power. There's something that he can't do, or there's something that he won't do. And the reason he won't do is because he can't do it, or he's not good enough to do it. There's where you end up. Both questions, two and three, is the element that God is finite in power, or knowledge, or size, or goodness. Again, that is the premise of Satan, absolute premise of Satan. That is how Satan began when he went from angel to angel and began to strip them away from the holiness that is the realm of God. That is the premise of Satan in Eve. That is the premise of Satan in Matthew 4. Reject anything, just out of hand begin to recognize the premise or the lie of Satan as soon as you see it. And that is, God is finite in power, he is finite in knowledge, he is finite in size, he is inside of time. In other words, he is subject to time. Time is before God, and that God is not pure good. Whenever you see those things, you know that is the lie of Satan. Most form that it comes in, most common form, is Jesus Christ is not God. That is the most common. He's afraid, he doesn't know. Don't know what's going on. Oh, he just barely made it to the cross. Good thing he didn't quit. He cries all the time. He cries for himself. He can't take the pain. Who touched me? Does he know who's around him? He's clueless. That is very, very common and absolute, totally blasphemous heresy and completely wrong. Jesus Christ is the Lord God Almighty in the flesh. Can't say it enough. Okay? Reject anything that suggests otherwise. Habakkuk two questions and two complaints, you can tell. They're filled. Because the answer is all of above. They're filled with that. Absolutely to the brim. Two questions is two complaints, whatever you want to call them. They're filled with implications against God's judgment, His goodness, His fairness, and His power. And that's A, B, and C. And so the answer is all of the above. And how does God answer this complaint against his goodness, his omniscience, his omniscience? He answers this, he answers this heresy, this blasphemy, with the just shall live by faith. That is the answer. Whenever you're sitting there saying, God doesn't care about me, God doesn't know about me, God can't find the heathen, God doesn't have a solution to free will and sin, God, there's a mistake in the Bible. The answer is, the just shall live by faith. Now, why is that the answer? If you wish, you could do it this way. God's answer is salvation is by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Why is that an answer? The answer to complaints against his omniscience and his character and his power and his goodness. Knowing why God responds that way with the, the words that he does. The just, is, the just shall live by faith. That's key to understanding Romans. When You got that. When you understand why the just shall live by faith our salvation by grace alone through Christ alone through the blood of Christ alone when you understand how that is an answer to, first you obviously can see how it is an answer to those who say god is not good right he must be good he has to be good because Christ crucified yes and we didn't, we didn't ask for the best answer. It doesn't say which is the best of these three. I don't disagree. There is a level, but are all three correct? Ah, you think one answer is so much better than the others. I'm sorry.
2: Verse 13, chapter 1, that all the is about
0: the answer. And you say so because?
2: Because God is perfect. The habit already declared that God is perfect. And as I see, if that's what the position where are having our being is before, the position of the Jews, i the actual the you're going to Okay, I'm going to ask
0: you, what is the difference between being unaware or uncaring and being unwilling or unable?
2: Because
0: he is national physician, A is a worldwide C is more direct to his prayer. Is... Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. You're saying that, that A is uh, too general and C is more specific.
2: Exactly. Okay. And yes, but already God is perfect and he can
0: he says God is perfect and can't look upon evil, so why is God looking upon evil and acting imperfectly? He does not recognize why Israel is in trouble. Would you agree?
1: Right. Okay.
0: So why why does he think God is bringing trouble to Israel? Well, I would submit to you that it's because either it's probably he's a hyper Calvinist. And so the hyper-Calvinist would sit next to you and say it's obvious that it's B. That's the best answer. (laughs) But good, though. Very good. I'm just, again, that's exactly what I'm after. I am after that. Did I know he would do it? Oh, yeah. That's That's why he knows what he knows. Because he's willing to attack and defend. Attack and defend. And if we had time, that's all we would do today. Question number four, but that's excellent, by the way. Question number four, an obvious throwaway because I just wanted you to get something right. And, and I intended it solely to boost everybody's grade. So I'm going to read question four. I'm going to skip over it. But I've got to say this. When I did this, if Katrina was here, I'd always put on every test, none of the above, all of the above, and then i put... Um, that D was always none of the above, E was always all of the, I'm sorry, all of the above, none of the above, and then F, I put both D and E. Okay, and I did it here, right? It's just one of my stock and trade test things that I've always done. And this got answered a lot. And then I would have to, I'd be going over in class and they would argue with me, they'd say, that is the best answer. It's all of the above, but I think all of the above is flawed. So it's also none of the above. They go on and on and on, and it was great. I was very impressed. Usually I gave it to them just because they would fight for it. And that's what I'm all about, as you can tell. Fight, for, Have a position, be able to defend it. That's what it's about here. That's how you teach people. That's how you learn But I always have questions in there, and I get shocked when people are seriously answering them and defending them. That's what question four was. Okay, number five. How many, and I didn't do well here. This is a question that very, very, uh, I I would say, maybe 20% uh, answered this correctly. And it is very important. Um, How many federal heads of humanity? Is the question? Put a question five for me, How many question? How many federal heads of humanity? A one, B two, C three, D C three po, and E R two D eight. And yes, D eight is correct because I love moving equipment. we have as a kid used to make the sound. Okay. How many federal heads of humanity? How many have held the title of federal head of humanity? What is the title of federal head of humanity? Whenever you see this title in scripture, understand that it means federal head of humanity. Title for those on the internet is Son of Man. Now, how many federal heads of humanity? have there been. The real question is who are the federal heads of humanity. I didn't want to go with that depth, but there are two. There are two. They are the first Adam. That's very important to know. There are the first Adam and the last. You will see it sometimes the second and second is fine. I'm not going to complain about second, but really to be more accurate, it is the first Adam and the last Adam. Why must there be exactly two federal heads of humanity? By the way, what is a federal head of humanity? I would recommend that you read Arthur W. Pink's book, Accountability to God, or come and see me later. We'll get into this in Romans chapter 5, what a federal head of humanity is again. Some of you have gone through that with me before. But by and large, most have not. Why must there be exactly two, a first and a last? Adam understood it. What's the proof that Adam understood there would be two federal heads of humanity? There would be one just like him. He knew it. How did he know it? Yes, absolutely correct. He named Eve. He named the woman Eve. Eve. That is proof that he knew. That is amazing wisdom. He names perfectly, by the way. It's one of his jobs is to name. He He figures out there's going to be, he lost his federal headship. Or because of his decision, his first decision, all of humanity, all of the earthly realm, everything that he is in authority over is now going to go into corruption, death and decay and horror. And there would be another head of humanity that would fix it. He knew that. And he understood how it would be done. And that is why he named the woman Eve. And the outward sign that the mother and father of a child understood the consequences of the deliberate, undeceived fall of the federal head of humanity, the first Adam, the sign, the outward sign that a mother and father understood that, and they understood or they understand why the deceived woman was named the mother of all living, which is, as I said, one of the great cause in all of scripture. Why would he name a woman that when she should be the mother of all dead? But when a mother and father have a small child, and they understand that there are two federal heads, and they understand the first decision of the first federal head, and they understand how it's going to be fixed through the woman, why she's called the mother of all living, when the mother and father of a child understand that, if it's a male child, what do they do on the eighth day? They circumcise, because they understand that. Circumcision is the outward sign of an inward belief and faith that the last Adam would reverse the curse. The first Adam, all would die. The last Adam, all who believe, will live. They're both federal heads. Notice how I said that. All who believe will live. That implies that not all will live. And they won't. What's God's definition of live? What's God's definition of die? His definition is different than our definition. Our definition is usually what? Physical, temporal. He does not have a temporal definition of life and death. He has a eternal definition. Everything that we have is temporal, which makes it what? Silly. He has an eternal view. I have a tendency to have temporal abuse. I will forgive you for having temporal views, which means you have to forgive me. My lovely wife has a tendency to be eternal. It doesn't matter. She's right. It doesn't matter. What are you worried about? I worry about things. She reminds me that I should listen to myself. Maybe I would like to listen to a CD. I won't. But I, I probably should. Sure. Okay, question number six. How this all fits together now. You see that somebody planned these questions out pretty good. We hope. Question number six. Circumcision is the sign of A, the Davidic covenant, B, the Nolatic covenant, C, the Abrahamic covenant, D, the Mosaic covenant, E, the Davidic covenant. Which is my personal favorite, but doesn't exist. And the answer is C, the Abrahamic covenant of grace, promise, and blessing. See, the real question is why is it the sign of the Abrahamic? Why is circumcision the sign of the Abrahamic covenant of grace, promise, and blessing? And that, by the way, is the semester final essay question. That will definitely be on the test. We had trouble as a class with this. We really did. We had a trouble with both. We had five, the federal head question, and we had trouble with the Abrahamic uh, sign of the Abrahamic covenant question, with circumcision. And that would make sense to me because they are very closely related. Circumcision forces you to go back to the federal headship of Adam. Somebody comes to me and says, I want to have my son circumcised. I'm not a Jew. I say, it's a great idea, just medically, it's a great idea. But why is Adam the first federal head? Circumcision forces you back to the federal headship of of Adam and the two decisions of Adam. So I asked him, what are the two decisions of Adam? What are the two decisions of Adam? First decision was to unite or to join even sin by taking the poison, if you will. The second decision was not to go to the tree of life. Two decisions. Both of them amazingly thought through. Doesn't mean the first one wasn't sinful, absolutely sinful. Made a decision to take his wife over God. That's what he did. He did so, remember leprosy. Leprosy starts out like this. It's a small white spot. You can't even see it. You have to be inspected by a priest to find it. Eventually, you're completely, totally immersed in it. Adam's sin is not the same. Do not anthropomorphize yourself. Do not make Adam blue the bear. Just because we're dumb doesn't mean he's dumb. He wasn't. He's honored by God in the New Testament. He is called a type of Christ in the New Testament. Extraordinary. Anyway, circumcision forces you back to the federal headship of Adam and the two decisions of Adam. You want to be circumcised? Come see me. I'll find somebody to do it for you, not me. But for sure, I'm going to ask you, just like I do in baptism. Do you understand the federal headship of Adam? Do you understand the two decisions of Adam? Do you understand the seed of the woman, which is the virgin birth, which is why Adam names her Eve, the mother of all living, Genesis 20? Do you understand what's going on there? Do you understand that once all of that happened, naturally comes Genesis 3.21? The removal of the fig leaves. God removes the fig leaves, and the coverings are made by God. He slays two innocent animals. I think they were lambs. Some will say they're leopards. Do not, by the way, go go to Bill Guernsey and, without a, a lunch if you're going to argue lambs versus left Pack a lunch, baby. You're into Nimrod, Book of Jasper, why Esau gave up the porridge. Because Esau killed Nimrod. And that's what that whole soup thing's all about. you got to know the murder of Nimrod occurred. And you'll never understand why these two guys are talking about soup. I've heard so many bad sermons on that, I could just vomit. When you're going to go argue lambs versus leopards, in other words, what God killed to cover, I think lambs works because I get that Passover thing going my way. But trust me, it's not that easy of a debate. Some wonderful scholars on both sides of that. But you have to understand, circumcision forces you to recognize, understand the, why God removes the fig leaves, why he makes the covering. He slays animals, he covers Adam and Eve with blood, he covers them with the garment that he makes, and he uh, then drives them out of the garden to protect them from going to the tree of life, or the tree of forever. Well, i to add two pages to He does that. He drives them out of the garden. Because if he doesn't drive them out of the garden, what's going to happen? He has to protect that tree of life from them. He puts a flaming sword or the Shekinah glory. pushes them out. Why does he do that? He does that because of the doctrine of... That's right, eternal security. Absolutely right. Just in case you think there's no eternal security in the Old Testament, it starts out that way in Genesis 3. That's your second semester final question as well. Or your second semester final question. Hey, question number seven. The sign of the Davidic que- uh, uh, covenant is, and we we, um, and we struggle here too, the sign of the Davidic covenant is, the birth of the holy thing, the virgin birth, the birth of the seed of the woman, the promised Messiah, son of David, all of the above, none of the above. Answer is, all of the above. The holy thing, the seed of the woman, the promised Messiah, the son of David, through the virgin birth, necessary because of what? The fall of the first federal head, who is Adam, right? The holy thing, that's old King James, Luke one thirty-five. That's God in the flesh, God adding humanity, God assuming the title of the last federal head of humanity, the promised Messiah, salvation. Which is spelled this way in the Hebrew, we would say this. Whenever you say Jesus, you are really saying an anglicized Yeshua. Yeshua means salvation in Hebrew. Jesus Christ, all of that is the same thing. A, B, C, D, all the same thing. The sign of the Davidic covenant. Question number eight. Naturally, this would follow. Question number eight. Do not talk to the person operating the questions. Okay, talk to the person operating the questions and tell her we're on eight. Okay, good. Thank you. Circumcision is a symbol of Christ crucified. A. Salvation by grace. B. C. Mankind's inability to provide his own Savior, acceptable blood, sacrifice, or living blood and living flesh. D. Salvation by law and grace. E. Salvation by works and obedience to the law. F. Only A, B, and C. G. All of the above. H. None of the above. I. Only D and E. J. Only H. A lot of you went for H. I don't blame you. H looks pretty good after all of that. And I wanted you to note the progression between 7 and 8. The sign of the Davidic covenant followed by the symbolism of circumcision. They are together. How are they together? Circumcision is recognition that the sign of the Davidic covenant is coming. When I have circumcision as a Jew... That was recognition of, one, salvation by grace, two, that I needed the second federal head, three, that that second federal head would have to sacrifice himself and cover me with blood, just like the first federal head was covered. All of that is recognition that God would have to do this. The sign of, of the Davidic covenant is the actual fulfillment of that why does God? See, here becomes the real question. Why does God, Jesus Christ? That's the same. When I say God, I could say Jesus Christ. When I say Jesus Christ, I could say God. They are one and the same. Why does God come, descend, take on humanity through a virgin birth? Why does He have a virgin birth? What's the answer? First federal head fell. That's why I got to have a virgin birth. That's why he chose circumcision. First federal head fell. I lost a federal head. Think of it this way. I'm in a war. I got a general. My general got shot. I not have a new general. I wouldn't need a new general if I didn't have a dead general, right? I got a dead general. The army wasn't there yet, but here's the army. There's billions of it now, right? I got to have a new federal head because the first federal head fell. Why does he do it? Why does he take on humanity? Come through a virgin? Because I lost the first federal head. What is the sign that the first federal head fell, and I know that he cannot provide a seed that will give me a Savior? What's the sign of that?
1: Circumcision.
0: I understand that. Why I circumcise my male child if I'm a father or mother, right? Why did he wait so long to give the Abrahamic covenant sign? Okay, now you're into what we like to call dispensationalism. You want me to do that now? I got three minutes, 52 seconds. Okay. Okay. Why does God, Jesus Christ, come to sin, take on humanity through a virgin birth, sit on the throne of David as the Messiah, as the Son of Man, the second federal head, which means the last federal head of humanity? Followed by a sign, circumcision, that means salvation by gift, grace, blood, life, substitution, mankind is helpless. Which is the sign of the Abrahamic covenant, circumcision. And you can see, I hope, that it points to and it is interconnected with the sign of the Davidic covenant. Question number nine. You notice the musicians came forward in three minutes? They're agreement, aren't they? We've got just a few more pages to go. Okay, I won't. I would like to. Question number nine. The great mystery of Exodus 4.24. What is the great mystery of Exodus 4.24? By the way, the answer to the last one was F, only A, B, and C. Great mystery of Exodus 4.24, Moses and Sapporah, Sapporah having to circumcise her sons in order to save Moses, who was under the threat of death. Who has put Moses under the threat of death? God has. Specifically, who is God there? I have three persons, but this is a physical form of God. Whenever I have a physical form of God, who is that? Who is the physical manifestation? Who is the visible of the invisible? That is always Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ has come, God has come, and he has a hold of, and he is saying that Moses will die unless what? Unless Zipporah circumcises the sons. Why does the woman have to do it? Why is the man held? See, that becomes very important. So the question was, who does Zipporah represent? She is an actual person. This is an actual, literal event that really happened to both of them and the sons. The sons weren't really thrilled about it. It was a rock. Get circumcised by a rock. By a, first, you got an angry mother with a rock. So I'm just imagine what they were going through, mentally as well as emotionally, and they probably got an attorney and sued later. But anyway... Who does Zephora represent there? An actual person in an actual event literally happened, and the answer is A, she represents the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel, because Christ crucified is a stumbling block to the Jews. The Jews are the wife of YHVH, ineffable, unpronounceable name of God. That's 1 Corinthians one twenty-two. Christ crucified is a stumbling block to the Jews. Salvation by grace alone through faith in the blood of Christ alone, which is Christ crucified. That is a stumbling block for the wife of Yahweh or the wife of Jehovah, if you wish to say that. That is a way of pronouncing YHBH, which is unpronounceable. But we pronounce it. How come? That's right. He's brain dead. The wife of YHVH is the nation of Israel. The church is the bride of Christ. You have to know the difference. Failure to know the difference leads to an abundance of doctrinal error. Okay, I'm now on stoppage time for those of you who watch soccer because of having to do silly things. Question number ten. Referencing Exodus 4 24 through 26, circumcision is representative of. Go to. There we are. A. Is circumcision referencing death? Is it referencing the doctrine of baptism? Is it salvation by grace alone? Is it free will? Which of those? Hopefully, you now all see that it is C. It is referencing Christ crucified. Oh, you'd say, well, that's salvation, Is that salvation. Stay there a second, Annabelle. Go back to ten. C is Christ crucified. Do you all see that C is Christ crucified? No. You'll see me later because we are only down to three seconds. Christ crucified, the husband of blood. Salvation by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ alone, who is the husband of blood. Of blood, all of that is the same, and that is the stumbling block to the Jews in 1 Corinthians one twenty-two. Okay, this, frankly, um, I'm going to skip to question 12, and then I'll finish it here really quick with something that's in the news a lot. I'll get to question 11 later, that's the... uh, that's the Dinah incident, and that's where we'll start next week, probably. Question 12. The Hivites of Genesis 34 are the forefathers of Joshua 9 and of Second Samuel 21, Fill in the blank: Who are the forefathers of the, I'm sorry, the Hivites of Genesis 34 are the forefathers of who in Joshua 9 and who in 2 Samuel 21? This is probably the most important question of all, and I failed you. It was a trick question because I wanted to see how many could get it right. Uh, Some of you did marvelous jobs of trying to work it all out, but the answer is the same it is the Gibeonites in both. Knowing the Gibeonites are descendants of the slaughtered and murdered Hivites of Genesis 34, who were murdered with the pretext of circumcision. Understanding that is the key to unlocking the sign that is circumcision. It is so important when you get that, now you're able to go through Romans. Okay? I want to talk to you about this as it's come up during the week. We, it's being played constantly on television. Uh, I see it all the time now. We have a politician, or a number of them, who are bringing up the stoning of the rebellious son, which is Deuteronomy 21:18 20, uh, through 22. The rebellious son who rebels against his mother and father. So, what do you know about the rebellious son? One is Jewish. He has a mother and father against whom he rebels. What sign does he have? He has circumcision. And he's rebelling against the outward sign that is circumcision. He is rebelling against what his mother and father knew. What did they know? They are the second generation of Israel, by the way, Deuteronomy will tell you that. They, they are the ones that all got circumcised before they went in to attack. And we have an, a rebellious son who is rebelling against the sign that is circumcision. For whatever reason, the political class doesn't understand that. And if you rebel, if you're in the nation of Israel, and you're in the second, in this case, third generation, and you're in the promised land, and you have seen the pillar of cloud, you have direct witness of people who went through the Red Sea, who, no, I'm sorry, they're all dead, but you have direct witness of the ones that crossed the uh, Jordan River, who saw Jericho, who saw uh, all the tremendous miracles that God did through Joshua, and you're rebelling against what? Against the doctrine of what? Against what? Salvation by grace alone through Jesus Christ alone. And if you're going to rebel against that and you're in the nation of Israel, what does God say? Stone him to death. By the way, how old is the kid? I guess. Well, probably a teenager guess that if he is a teenager and he's dead what's his problem he got no problem I want you to think about that because God what God thinks eternally we think temporally so why is this a capital offense because if you reject Christ crucified you reject salvation by grace alone you reject the blood of Christ belief in Christ, faith in Christ alone, you reject that, then what is the problem you have? It is an eternal problem. What if you convince somebody else? What have you done to them? See, you have to realize that everything in the Old Testament, everything, the rebellious son, that's why you ask, what, why is the rebellious son rebelling? Against what? Against whom? What is the, the voice of the parents saying to him? Who is the rebellious son? Why does God hang the, the rebellious son from a tree? That's because of Galatians 3:13 and 14. Next week I'll read all of that. What is Leviticus? I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 21. The rebellious son, the stoning of the rebellious son, all about? Is it about killing a kid that doesn't clean his bedroom or wrecks the car? No, it is about what? Eternal salvation is about God responding to the one witness in the entire world that knows the truth about salvation, and that is the nation of Israel. And He protected the doctrines of Christ that are hidden on every single page. M. R. DeHaan absolutely right. If you don't understand that on
2: every single page of the Old
0: Testament is a picture of Christ, you are doomed. You will never understand your Bible. Let's rise and be this